So what book have we got this week? Today we've got the Whiskey Opus. And the Whiskey Opus... I approve of this book. (laughs) For all the whiskey lovers in Brisbane and beyond. I, um, I have a friend in Melbourne who will be very, very interested in this book. Actually, I have a few friends in Brisbane that will be very interested in this book. How, how, mu- how much is it, Jules? This is... Put my glasses on. $70. Oh, it's a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, basically. A cheap, so, a cheap bottle of whiskey <laughs> if you're um, Mr. Greybeard. Yes. So it covers Scottish, Ireland, USA, Canada, Japan, Europe and the New World, which includes yeah. Australia, New Zealand. It's interesting that Japan, Japan. I haven't been able to afford a bottle of Japanese whiskey, but it's mm. supposed to be kicking ass at the yeah. moment. There's a little bit of um, a little bit of angst that perhaps Japan is now making the best whiskey in the world. Yes, it seems that way, and you can't get any of their... I think I've got a friend who loves Japanese whiskey and he's been trying to get um, the Hibikis 25 years or 15 years or more. Yeah. Can't get any of it at all worldwide. Well, I'm still t- I'm s- still talking about the whiskey you gave me last time when I was here. So. Oh, the Ardberg. Oh yeah, that was. Do you good want stuff. some? Yeah, I'll have one of those <laughs> on ice. That's a cold drink. All right, so yeah. that's that's pretty cool. And who yeah. who does that book? Is that like a this whole one heap is of actually writers? a compilation? Yes. Is it's it is a... it like is it reviews or is it just about no. what each whiskey's like? Yes. So if you know you like a particular yeah, style, it's a reference you... book. Cool. Yeah. So it's got a bit of history in it. It's got a bit of. Um, the different regions and what their specific um, characteristics are and um, then it goes through so would that be would there be bourbons in that as well or is it more well the american is bourbon isn't yeah it? so their would whiskey the, is bourbon american so yeah. is there an american section there is an american oh, okay, section cool. there well, is i have it's actually a quite a good comprehensive yeah global um whiskey reference book mm, okay so greybeard and joey how many <laughs> copies do you have this is my last copy. Oh, fights. <laughs> I bet. But I can order more in. It's okay. fine. Yeah. No worries. Thanks, Jules. No, thank you. We, we, we should rap about things that we like, like. Like food. That's what. You bugging ass death, you know it. We're going to be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Got spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheesemaker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> okay, how was it? Mm, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Tiger? I'd say you've had enough. Um, Hello everyone and welcome to Cheesy back at Scrumptious Reads. We have one guest this week after the chaos of the last three with multiple voices yelling over the top of each other. How are you, Therese? Good, good. You were talking about the mashed potato, mashed potato, mashed potato day. And then last week I think we had six people all sitting around. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Some of them starting conversations off mic that got picked up by Mike. (laughs) Hi, Julie. Um... Now, I think I met you the first time when I was scouting on Twitter for Lemon Myrtle, wasn't I? Yeah, actually, oh, that's funny you mentioned that. I was yeah, thinking exactly that uh, because you wanted to wrap your cheese in doing, it and do an ash wrap. Yeah, I was doing like a, mm. like a goat's feta but with cow's milk and, yeah, ashing it on the outside. 
and I wanted to try doing burning yeah. lemon metal. And it was very nice, actually. So usually people only pull up there and get the green mangoes or something. Yeah, or right. maybe sometimes those Brazilian cherries. So mm. you don't have a lot of call on the lemon virtual. Well, I've, I've planted one myself now, and I put it in the other day some harissa. Mm. Don't know why. I just thought it needed a bit of citrus sink because I was using very hot chilies. But um, that's one of my all-time favourite foodie things to do with sarissa because it is yeah. hugely expensive and yet incredibly easy to make. And, you know, it delivers a lot of uh, bang for the buck. Just yeah. roll a bit of something you don't know quite what to do with, a bit of chicken or yeah. a lamb chop or something. And I just love it in yoghurt. Mm. That's mine. Mm. Yogurt and drizzle it over everything. Yeah. Give it a what bit about of kick. Uh, like a tandoori style marinade, harissa and yogurt? Yeah, I do. Um, I've done shoulder in that before and slow cooked it. Mm, that it work? That's pretty nice. But I just think, yeah, just just you know, half a teaspoon and big thing of yogurt, and especially good if you leave it for a couple of days, because then I find those flavours. Same mm. with garlic. You know, garlic yogurt when you you make it and it's sort of everything's sort of fighting against each other on the first day and then the yeah. second and third day it, it just all out. sort of smooths out it's really nice how did that cheese work out with the lemon myrtle yeah really good yeah yeah so my little lemon myrtle thing i did recently was i made a a syrup infused the lemon myrtle a bit of a sugar syrup mm-hmm. and uh and used that with the gin and tonics oh really yeah hot sort of Yep. Summer soiree Brisbane style. Yep. And um, yeah, pretty popular. Well, because you're, are, you, are you a bit of a gin gin person? Yeah, I like my, you know, G&Ts or good gin and ginger sort of combo. It's the, nice, the, gin and ginger beer. That there's a few, you know, there's a place up in Atherton, a distillery up in Atherton that we went to when we were up there at a friend's place that's making a native um, gin. Mm. And I think it's so popular. When it was so popular that when we were there, they didn't actually have any to buy. You could only they only had tastings. Mm, but it it had juniper, obviously. But then it had lemon myrtle and finger lime right. and maybe native pepper. Whole heap of different, really different aromatics. Oh, it was delicious. I wonder when doing that sort of thing means it's actually not gin anymore. It's something else. So, yeah. you know, is, there, is it possible to have Australian gin or Australian Campari, you know, because there's like a bit Campari. of that going on yeah. as well. But in fact, are you actually making something different, different. because you're not using the same botanicals, no. really, same but, method, but whatever. But I guess um, it's a little bit like when you say champagne to denote sparkling wine because it's just a name that everyone mm. understands. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, I suppose that's probably a little bit more polarising because you say champagne to a certain person and they're like, do you mean champagne or do you mean sparkling or do you mean, wine? Or do you mean when you put the cask through the soda stream? <laughs> I did see that. Don't watch it. Is it bad? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad it's kind of good, really. And Was and it serious actually, though or was it like the catering well, show and it's a well, bit of a parody? Or can't it's you really tell? hard to tell. I think that's why it's a little bit... Oh, I'm not sure if she's actually serious because... I tell you, if she's not serious, they've done a lot of work on the set. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, see, that's always you know, a... Um, it looks pretty authentic as... Um, that's always a pretty good telltale. Yeah. If it if it looks like it's shot on an iPhone in a in a dingy room, then it's probably serious. Oh, boy. Yeah. It, mm. 
But I, I want to get a... So I've started making some soap. Oh. Um, I wish I knew that. I just had to buy some authentic sort of soap to take away. Well, you'll be interested in this because it was um, honey, beeswax. Uh, so it's a milk soap, a cold processed soap. Mm. So unfortunately I'm not milking at the moment, so I had to use bored milk. But um, Lost cow soap. Lost cow soap, yeah, maybe that's what I'll call it. So <laughs> uh, one of my, my other podcast mates said I should call it Beesoap. Bisoap. Um, oh, you need a good name. Always. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool one. Um, no, it's yeah. So so honey, five percent beeswax in the mm. oil. Like so, there's sort of two so parts you melt to it. it down? Yeah, you melt down the coconut oil and the beeswax, and mm. then you add the olive oil so it's not too hot, and then you get um, uh, the milk, and you add the um, what's it called the the chemical to it and it uh, well, like caustic, borax yeah, caustic soda it is yeah um, and then it sort of melts the, the you freeze the milk and so as you add the caustic oh, okay. it causes that chemical reaction that heats it up but unlike using it with water where it causes fumes and it's quite dangerous and mm-hmm. and you've got to be careful who you do it around because it's frozen it it's sort of a slower reaction okay. and you mix all that up and then you stick it that in the oil, drizzle it into the oil with a stem blender, pour it into moulds, that's it. Okay, and it sets in room temperature, or you not necessarily this Just cover room. it with a towel and leave it for 24 hours, take it out and cut it. Okay, and it's quite hard, or is it kind of, you know, uh, it's malleable? No, no, it's not malleable, it's firm, but you can feel that it's not soap yet. So it takes okay. about a month for the moisture to evaporate out of it. So I did... Um, I did two, like a two-part soap. So I did one part with just the normal mix and then I mixed some activated charcoal, which I think is about the most wankiest thing I've ever used, right. um, through the other half and then just sort of poured a bit in and then blobbed a bit of the black in. That's what it looks like. Oh, okay. So the black is from the charcoal? Yeah, I'll post the... Is that important pic- for the... Um, uh, Efficacy of the soap to have the charcoal. I was I was after like a bee effect, oh, okay. uh, so I wanted yellow and black right. basically. Okay, um, so just aesthetic rather than yeah. So, but but I did it in milk carton sort of upright, and then I think next time what I'll do is I'll I'll get like a, a mold that I can lay it out and I'll do layers, so I get layers of yellow and black, oh, okay. sort of more like bands. So that's going to be interesting when you test out to see if it actually cleans anything. Well. I think it will. Um, evidently, the beeswax makes it quite a hard soap. Mm-hmm. Um, the milk makes it soft, like soft on the skin. Um, the coconut oil makes it leather like. Well, coconut oil is the surfactant, isn't mm, it? Yeah. Do you like that I know that word? Yes, that's very good. And I tried not to emphasize <laughs> that. I once was driving along with Vanessa and um, my wife, and I said, Oh, this sun is quite soporific. And she went, what the hell? That's not a word. She's got a PhD, mind you. And I said, it is. You look it up. So when she stopped, she looked it up. She went, oh, okay, yes. Well, but I would have said soporific. Soporific. Oh, my. So I've got, I I've got a, she could be right in the sense I've, that I'm not sure your pronunciation. I've got your good, pronunciation. Vocab- good vocabulary and terrible pronunciation. That'll be the one. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have that sort of argument with Alan all the time. He has a, there's a few words where 
he just says it in a way that I just think, no, no one on the planet pronounces <laughs> Yeah, that's me. That like and that. I've, I've been like that since I was a kid. I've uh, always had a, a really good range of words, but to just, I just sort of think about it and then have a crack instead of actually saying it the proper way. Yeah, so. funny one. So the next, the next batch I'm going to try... Um, but just using because I want to try and use stuff that I've got on the farm. So the next batch will oh, be okay. comfrey, aloe vera, and aloe beeswax. Vera. Right. Uh, and that's got a bit of honey in it as well. Hmm. But so, still with coconut oil and all that. Yeah, we. Well, I think you sort the of purpose of purpose. Yeah. I could, mm. you know, when I get pigs, I guess I can render out that. What's the go with comfrey? What's that? Has it got a particular reason that it'd be good in soap? Or is uh, comfrey is very good for your skin right. and very good for little wounds and stuff okay. like that. But it hopefully it'll turn it green. I'm trying to get some. So green. go the lemon myrtle. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's very, very hard to get. Um, very hard to get sent into soap using sort of like just steam you've you've you really got get, to get, get the essential the oil. oil out yeah that would so be nice. once i you know if i get right into it then the next thing will to be get a little still and diffuse mm. the oil out of it yeah because you can't really just use the no well i tried the tea until i'd done um a little bit of research so what i tried to do was put a whole heap of the lemon myrtle leaves in the oil and just bring it up to like 50 That's degrees kind of a thing and in the oil try and get and it did it smelt you could smell it in the oil hey ben you want to come sit down no no <laughs> come on i want to talk to you afterwards though yeah yeah i've been coming and looking for you so this is, yeah. this is ben the yeah jumping in on, the, po- on the podcast every week it's good. We, well, I'm going to start my own podcast up, so yeah. I'm going to ask you some questions about what I need to do to get that happening. In competition with me? Not competition. No, <laughs> no I would say great compliment. Yeah. Really. Man. You've inspired me to do my own thing. Yeah, so. I can definitely tell you That's how to set up. It's mm. piece of piss. I've got, I've got a really good friend who's also a chef, and we're going to um, take the piss out of cookbooks. Basically, that's <laughs> so you're right. just gonna you're just gonna pick one and start to work your way through they Julie's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they won't be from scrumptious reads because Julie only does curates cook. really good. Cook, cook. She does. She doesn't have any crap cookbooks. But can I be on the can I be on the naked chef ones? Yeah, <laughs> sure, I don't yeah. think you can call it the naked chef. I think that I think that term's taken. I think Jamie Oliver might have copyrighted that. You yeah, know, that's what I'm saying. If, he, if he's gonna if he's gonna do cookbooks, I want to oh, be well, on the, I, I want to be on the naked chef. <laughs> No, he doesn't want to do a podcast with me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone wants that. <laughs> but it's um, no. It, well, yeah, we can take a piss out, Jamie. Yeah, I'd relish the opportunity for that. Very formative cookbooks in my life. But there yeah. you go. There's a couple of high-profile ones that um, that I think have fallen short. So yeah, right. And Nigella, got, I'd love to mock Nigella. What about a bit of test uh, test kitcheting? Test kitcheting. Test kitcheting. Some of the recipes that you know just do not work out of popular cookbooks. It'd be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, make it to the make it to the letter and see whether it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Talk I reckon. Yeah. I don't know. I think we'd fail quite a lot, but um, look, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So, and we've got really differing opinions on on cookbooks. So. Yeah. Well, it's really if you're only having two or three people, then it's easy as. It's when you, when you get more than that that it starts to be a struggle, as I found last week when I tried to edit <laughs> when I tried to edit this podcast. There was like six people last oh, week. Oh yeah, last six one, six it? people and three people over here having a conversation while we were t- 
want to talk about the cheeky buggers. Who are they? <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe you and Julie. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> kind of just interesting backgrounds. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast without that. So. Julie always shies away anyway. She's careful of that. Yeah, she did. A, she did a very good ad read. You have to listen to this week's episode. Yeah. Did, we're we're going to pull Julie kicking and screaming into brand identification involving her. Yeah. Yes, do it. That's what well, I've been. One of the podcasts we will be doing in the future is. Um, it's the 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 barn Asian food place that's opened up recently. Barn. Uh, it's like a big place. Julie and Sally were telling me about it last time, so I want to go there because I'm terrible with Asian food and knowing what to eat and what What's to order. What's the big Asian food place that Bezos talking and about? And why is it called a barn? Sally, Sally and you were telling me about somewhere where you went out for Asian food. I thought he was going to say barn man. <laughs> <laughs> Recently. Makes sense, the B-A-H-M. Happy Boy. Yeah, could be. Happy Boy um, in the old little Tokyo. Oh, Happy Boy. Yeah. So I want, I want Julie to take me there and she can order everything right. and tell me what I'm eating and why it's good. Well, maybe well, I haven't been either and I've heard it's amazing. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go tonight. I can't believe that you, as a chef... Go, oh, it's amazing. When? Just then. Like, I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it's really good. Just I've don't been... even use that word. Why? About, I just hate that sort of, it's amazing. Oh, Every time I'm with I'm going, oh, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> no, it's just I've like... heard the food's delicious and it's a really cool space <laughs> with a great wine list. I just feel like saying I'm it's food. food How can that be amazing? I've got no. a, 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 a chefy question for you. I was talk, talking to a, a journalist today about interviewing a chef that's got links back to the slow food movement. Right. So all the sort of restaurant people I've talked to, like that, one of the things you're trying to do is consistency, isn't it? You're trying to... If you have a dish, you want it to, to be the same experience for, the, for someone if they came every night of the week. You don't want too much differentiation. Oh, yes, no. You, you, you don't care if it comes out slightly differently every time? Well, there's some dishes that you know are going to be perfect every time, but there's others that you know that are not. Okay. Because cauliflower in there will never change because it's cauliflower. I mean, cauliflower is cauliflower is cauliflower. It's amazing cauliflower. Is it? <laughs> amazing. So I expect you to say that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the, the slow food sort of ideal is you just work with what you have or what's in season or what's around. Yeah, never or never changing menu. It is very difficult. Yeah, and I, I would have, that's what I, I would have thought. Like, if you if you're trying to run a restaurant on that on that sort of um, basis, it would drive you nuts. So that, that's a very customer centric thing because it's the customer who says, "I really love number twenty two, yeah. and when I come every Thursday night, I want number twenty two to taste exactly the same as it did three years ago." Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, like number twenty two, oh, you know, it's got to look like the picture that's next to it. Yeah, and like I don't know. I suppose there's lots of diners like that around the world, but. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what McDonald's do. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why people go there instead of the local burger shop because they think, well, I know it'll only take five minutes. I know it's going to taste like, even if that is not actually great, yeah. but I know what I'm going to get. Well, back when I used to eat out slightly more than I do now. But <laughs> like ever. <laughs> I don't know, I never eat out now. Um, uh, there was a place in Paddington that used to make this amazing pork belly and went, went there one day and... Beep. Amazing. Beep. It was. It was Beep. amazing. Beep. Beep. Amazing. Um, and yeah, they changed it. They changed it up to something different. And so, like, I just—I I didn't even look at the menu. I just had the pork belly. Thanks. And God, it went. Oh, it was okay. Oh. It wasn't my pork. That belly. part of your life is over now. Pretty much. Yeah. 
Hasn't anyone gotten past pork belly then? No. You don't get past pork belly then. Not as a consumer, no. Pork jowl. Yeah, I'll eat pork jowl as well, but pork belly... It's like pork belly's fattier tastier cousin. No, yeah, I guess so. I went to a friend's place um, on Sunday and he made this great paella. He really enjoys the whole thing of making paella. But he used some um, pork hock that he'd cooked down during the week yeah and that was in the paella so yeah as well that was really good yeah <laughs> i just said it was really good <laughs> tray bomb i like um my pork trotter stock is mine it's created a monster i'm sorry <laughs> you, i'm gonna check myself <laughs> now. Now. you sound like a food blogger Yes. Sorry, food bloggers. Sorry, food bloggers. I'm I'm like cheesy, but really amazing has got to go. Amazing. Well, food bloggers more amazed balls, isn't it? Oh, and I really love that too. (laughs) Actually, I've got a really good friend who says that, and I've got to tell you. You've made me self-conscious about amazing. Well, when you should be though, shouldn't I? When you start podcasting, you will learn every one of your vocal tics because I go, you know, you know. And the guy do the sports podcast who goes, it's really interesting that. Yes. And it's like when you say it 20 times in an hour, you go, oh, man, I've got to stop saying that. Because you yeah. don't listen to yourself so, enough to, uh, to know that in normal mm. conversation. So I'm, I'm sort of torn between uh, listening back because I want to improve and not listening back because I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, did I say that? But there's kind of... And I drink, I drink as well when I record, which doesn't help. So amazing is used a lot with, you know, food. But I can remember a time where everyone said, oh, it's to die for. Mm. I mean, that's pretty bad as an expression, isn't it? But yeah. it's fashion has changed, and that yeah. one I don't hear so much now. No, it's just amazing. I could go further if I wasn't actually being recorded. Yes, that's right. Well, we get a lot of nod, nod, wink, wink stuff on this, on this sort of stuff on yeah. this podcast. So Julie's trying to bait me into conversations on the side. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I will go right. It's out. like yeah. background and sound. We're trying to bait you into in being involved in the well, podcast. The the, um, the sports podcast I record. We start at sort of around seven o'clock at night, and I do it on the deck. And because it's summer at the moment, there's just like this wall of cicada Cricket sound. Time. Behind behind the recording that I have to try and remove. So yeah, now we joke it's this week in cicadas. Yeah. The funny thing is, right, and you, you're filming that stuff in the city. It's very. I think I would probably say the funny thing is a lot if I was doing a podcast. <laughs> it's um, I was trying to do some filming again today for the finally the Lebanese things giving mm. some traction with something. So right. we're reshooting some intros and all the rest of it. And was doing it this morning, and. The amount of sound that you need to cut out, I just switched oh. off every fridge in the bar yeah. because the sound of the fridges humming was coming into it. Yeah. We had to turn the air conditioning off. When we shut everything down, there were the cars going past. There was an ambulance at one point. The, there was a guy trimming the hedges with an electric trimmer. <laughs> I thought it's cool. But yeah. that's, that's, the be- <laughs> that's the beauty about podcasts is that... Um, is that what the big apparatus helps with? No. Well, podcasts, you don't really care. Yeah. But it can't be drowning you out. So No. But if you can stand cicadas yes. out where you are, yeah. if you can deal with that, you'll probably deal with the fridge, do you reckon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's tricks so There's tricks to get rid of con- constant well, noise. Not? Like the girl was... Yeah. Oh, like... But he's, he's talking about broadcast video. Yeah. Yeah. Broadcast that's video on a podcast are different worlds. Yeah. And he's using equipment that's a lot more sensitive than I am. They're pitching next week to 
SPS. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's professional level. I'm not worried about that. So have you seen the finished? Yeah, it's like a little teaser. I can show you if you want. Fantastic. We'd love to see it. Yeah. Not right now. The little audition tape I did for River Cottage Australia, yeah. I did on the, the, was the on the on the deck and my mate who's a He was robbed, wasn't he? I'd have loved to see me on telly yeah. <laughs> Who who's a proper you know, he does everything properly and halfway through like we only had one afternoon to do it mm. and halfway through we had this massive storm come through on a <laughs> on a veranda with a tin roof. And you watch it and you would never know except that it's sort of the background gets darker. I don't get darker but the background, but he's like, Oh man, I spent so much time wow. taking yeah. the rain out of the background, like making the light balance back up to where it should be. <laughs> so, it's like this is is taking the vibration like, out of the veranda roof yeah he's like if you were you know if you're doing it properly you just go well we're not doing it today we'll come back tomorrow but yeah. I, he literally had one afternoon before I think he's flying out to India or something the next day yeah, so. the time. yeah. Mm. Good how fun. was that experience doing that audition the auditioning thing? stuff yeah. um, like, did, a little bit nerve wracking freewheeling or was it specific you had to address certain things um, on the they asked me to do sort of they sort of asked me to do like a vague audition tape that they sort of wanted to see my personality and then they asked me to do a couple of specific things like talk direct to camera. Um, so I did a second one. Yeah. Um, but it was more sort of nerve-wracking in that you don't... You can't really tell anyone in case it doesn't come off and it didn't come off. So, you, yeah. you know, but you sort of... It's potentially something that could completely change your life. And we didn't have the twins then. So within two years, sort of, that didn't happen. And then I had the twins. It was like sliding doors there. The funny thing is, forgive forgive my absolute ignorance on the subject, Mm. but what the hell happened with the TV show anyway? Like, was there a TV show? Yeah, yeah, it was three seasons, I think. (laughs) Two books. Yeah. I never saw an yeah, ad for I don't, it. Because I don't do cable TV. It's Fox. So. Oh, is it Fox? Fox. Yeah, and right. it's very... Like, like I'm a massive fan of River Cottage. That's sort of what... That was one of the things that got me into... So who's the guy that beat you? Who pipped you? Uh, chef. Sorry, mate. From where? Uh, Victoria, I think. And it was... What, it was the, the, the weirdest thing was, was they were after a... I think they were after a, a Hugh clone. So they wanted someone with... A, shaggy appearance and looked a bit hangdog and I was the cleanest cut I've ever been no beard short shaved head <laughs> just the worst yeah, worst timing like the part now don't you yes um, you change your appearance after the loss well that's I, no, I hardly I hardly <laughs> ever look like that and I was like so this is the result of children yeah, yeah. twins have turned into it doesn't have time um, it doesn't have time and yeah the, the, the guy that got the gig was yeah had long shaggy hair and a beard right. and scruffy looking so but it's the, the show is pretty paint by the numbers from what people have told me it's sort of like they went well River Cottage did this and this and this and this so we've got to do it they haven't really <laughs> taken the they haven't taken the the feel of the show and gone and done something Australian so, so there's no integrity is what you're saying no but hey I would have take it money and I like I sort of believe in myself enough that I would have gone okay well if, if I'd been there I would have tried to say hey how about we start doing our own thing rather than trying to hit everything by the numbers but it must be working for them they got on three seasons so. yeah and he seems to be at every oh, or, you know like the writers festivals and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff I've noticed so they really do the whole you haven't seen anything I don't even know who you're talking about Which I'll send busy. you a link you're busy 
Wind it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't afford it. Yeah. I probably could, but I don't. Because I just plan. don't like that. But, like, I always thought that the classic one of um, how the back end of the show matters to how you look is um, Maeve O'Mara because back in the day when I used to watch crappy television and she was on that is it Better Homes and Gardens on Channel 7 where they used to do food and was she on that? yeah yeah she was on that what before she started doing the no, SBS no, stuff? What, while she was doing food while she was doing food safari and she was like straight out of Australian Women's Weekly on that show very housewifey and aprons and all and then I was like oh man this chick's so boring and then I started watching Food Safari and I'm like I just couldn't balance the two it was like two Two completely different people you know Food Safari you could tell that that was her baby you know that that she passionately believed in it whereas the other one was like a paycheck and they're like can you act like this she's like sure if you you pay me the money I'll act like a Women's Weekly Housewife sure but um it's a nice story. I mean, that's been going for a long time, that, that Food series. Safari, yeah. I loved the, like, the last one, the fire one. That was mm, cool. That was fun. Mm. I, now I wanna... like, also like the way they didn't actually wait for the to be telecast to put the book out. Oh, right. You know, so you read along at home. That's pretty confident. You know, yeah. The book's out before the <laughs> show's even started, like normally. It's, that's a, you that's know, a good idea. You can watch the show yeah. and have your book there and I follow thought, along. Oh, well, they obviously, you know, their market obviously follows them, that they're able to kind of just do that instead of thinking. I now want a tandoori oven in my kitchen, though. Yeah. <laughs> of which course is, you do. Do you sell the books? Oh, how was no. that? Did which, you see that which is home good. tandoori thing that that guy had? Which is great for a, a Queensland house. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. I can just see Alan bristling. <laughs> he doesn't even like when I like a light a candle in our Queensland. Oh well, not so much <laughs> that. The jury oven's not going to get a look in. You've got that big park at the back. You should just build it in the park. Yeah. Shh. Don't tell the council. Mm. I'm going to love you leaving, guys. All right. Thanks for dropping in. I'll get your tips. I'll see. I'll see you. Where will I come to the to the bar or to the bistro? No, I'll be in the bistro. Okay. We come to the bar. I'll buy you a drink and talk about it. Sure. And show us the trailer. Yeah, I'll show you the trailer too. That'd Promise. I will. Alright, thanks guys. Thanks, Ben. Have you got have you still got the bees? Um, we've still got the native bees. Oh you got There's native no, bees. Um, feral hives. No, no say. normal no. Would you like me to say feral hive? Feral Is that what hive? are you are you anti European bees? No, I just like saying that because everyone's <laughs> so bee, 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 you know. Save the bees. And I'm like do you mean the native bees or the feral, feral bees? bees? Yeah. The, the, like, where it was I reading something about how, because obviously the native bee population is completely dwarfed by the feral bees, mm-hmm. um, that a lot of the Australian native plants have evolved now to the feral bee rather than the native bee because it increases their chances of survival, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but for I mean, I guess plants are whores in that sense. They yeah, yeah, who, they don't who care. No. Does the pollination as long as it's done. As long as they so, survive. You know, like I know um, in North Queensland, oh, in, in the Northern Territory, actually around Catherine, I've been to a mango plantation where down the end of all the rows of mangoes is, uh, you know, a dead pig. And that's just to attract flies and oh, right, other insect that increases life. the pollination. Yep. Wow! So you kill that's, the, you kill that's the not wild. something that's not something you see on the mango marketing material. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're wild, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's... and um, 
yeah so whatever it will attract a bit of insect life is, yeah it's great you know so i quite like that's an ecosystem isn't it you know? yeah a lot of people don't like knowing stuff like that about their food though i find well yeah but we should shouldn't we it's a bit like knowing that the the organic grain was actually the GMO grain yeah. in the organic chicken that you're paying twice the price, price for. for. Like, yeah. if I'm going to pay twice the price, I want a lot more transparency than that. Uh, who was joking with me the other day about having registrate? We were talking about eggs and how free-range eggs is basically a shit fight and you don't know what you're getting. Mm. And now, if I buy eggs because I've got goanna problems at home with my chickens... Um, like I don't look I ignore free range and and whatever all I look for is that square meterage yeah because yeah. if you're willing to put that on then you like you know what you're yeah. talking about and the ones that say free range or pasture raised or whatever that don't put it on mm. basically are telling you that they're not doing yeah. sustainable sort of practices yeah um and someone joked that you know soon you'll be able to get eggs from you know Henrietta and you could go on the webcam and see Henrietta lay the eggs, and those are Henrietta's eggs. But in the in the UK, that's so a little like a little QR code, maybe yeah, on yeah. the egg, where you can well, see the egg's history if you scan your iPhone over it. That they do that in the UK, it. and I'm sure there's probably some seafood in Australia as well, where line caught fish, and so um, uh, when they catch the fish, they tag it with this little tag, and it geolocates where they've caught the fish what day they caught the fish and so when you buy your fish at the thing they give you like they fill it and everything for you but then they cut the tag off and give you the tag and you can go home see where the fish was caught see who caught it what the name of the fisherman was um and of course you're paying more for that but that ensures that that guy stays profitable and they keep catching fish that way which is you know you can catch fish that way forever in a day um so that's a bit like the um, the red tip wax red wax tipped bananas mm-hmm. that you get. Yeah. So that's a great marketing thing. Yeah. Because it provides differentiation, you know, because all bananas are more or less the same to you. It's pretty yeah. hard to tell. So that's a bit of a success story because that's allowed that grower to say, okay, well, this is what that means. It actually doesn't mean organic. No. But it's a lower... This is how I run my farm yeah. sort of thing. So And and they are running a lower-yielding um, operation yeah. than if they were doing the standard sort of um, practices. And then you can kind of say, well, I want to support that. You know you're paying a bit more. Yeah. Um, and then um, once he gets that differentiation out there... Um, he can roll that out as a system to other growers who want to take that on board. Yeah. But by the same token, it's got to be sustainable, hasn't it? Well, you can't have banana farmers who are trying to be doing that, but then they're going to go broke because yes, that's right. They're not getting the return or whatever. And ultimately, you know, a lot of those things like bananas, it's a commodity crop. Uh, um, yeah, and like it's the market for people that. There's definitely a different um, a difference in like I think there are bananas and bananas like I my kids basically yeah you know it's 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 air and then bananas pretty much you know that's good that's how it should be (laughs) Um, but we went to I went to the tambourine markets on Sunday 
and I got bananas and cherry tomatoes and the Cox Pippin apples. You know, the they're like no. a they're like a Granny Smith, but they're like one of the oldest, slowest growing breeds of apple. Right. Yeah. Um, quite famous because it made a bit of resurgence in the UK. Okay, and someone's growing them up on Stantorp, uh, I think. Oh, right. Okay, but. Sure. Sure. But local, like yeah. just picked no, sort of thing, yep. um, and I, I saw them and went, oh, well, like anything like that, I will buy, and yep. I won't even look at the price because I think diversity in our food is probably one of the most important things yep. possible. Couldn't agree more. That's so cool. if There's you if that. you see something like that, I try and buy. It. I know it's only a drop in the ocean, but mm. and same with the milk. Like I will always buy the the scenic rim or the Milani milk because yeah. I want those guys to survive That's I don't right. want to go back to having only the Paul's and the Woolworths milk as yeah. the only two choices that I've That's got right. yeah. so mm. a lot of people don't care about that I know yeah. lots of people are just well, buy my, the cheapest eggs you know, and cheapest milk the thing for that is um, like I go to West End markets and that um, and buy the creme fraiche from the gimpy guy oh yeah wow that's just like the most luxurious stuff you can put in your mouth it's just (laughs) amazing and the the guy that has all the um the uh peppers the padron peppers he also has some spanish style tomatoes sometimes they're finished at the moment yeah but grab them when you you can the whole tomato thing we don't have to talk about real tomatoes versus yeah not and um, yeah, that they're, they're sort of they shouldn't be luxuries, I suppose, but they kind of are. And um, but they're look. They're they're you nice. talk about like in the wider context of food, like obesity being a problem and getting kids to eat good food. But I find if the food tastes good, like fruit and veg tastes good, kids will eat it. Like my kids destroy fruit and veg. Mm. Um, and probably because I buy good quality stuff. Yeah. But if you get apples that don't taste real good, they usually take one bite and throw them away. Yeah. But they know it's what, just like filler, not real well, it's, food. It's yeah, it's bl- it's really bland. Yeah. But like we eat apples and bananas, and m- one of my twins will eat a whole punnet of cherry tomatoes. Just sit there and. I've kind of wondered about that whether. If you, like, say, you just said cherry tomato, so say punnet for punnet of, um, or bunch for bunch, you know, bananas from, you know, the sort of the factory farm kind of approach where they're growing quite quickly, you know, the standard Cavendish that sometimes you just go, oh, did I just eat a banana? Because, yeah. you know, I don't think I did. It's <laughs> just... but, but I wonder, you know, is the science there somewhere um, to show... Um, you know, a nutrient difference or no, a, a the, 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 the science that that's the thing. The science is that you get pretty much the same nutrition from mm. as long as you're eating it. Mm. But where I think that science falls down is if I give my kids a banana that tastes like this table, then they might have one bite and throw it away. Now, as far as their metrics are concerned it doesn't matter because i've still bought the banana so they're sort of seeing that as a banana consumed yeah not but, wasted. but it's not actually consumed the kid the kid doesn't want to eat it mm. whereas if you give them food that tastes well then there's very little wastage which means they're getting a lot more nutrients into them right and then they're not looking for whatever else to that's right you know um, enjoy. yeah so it's probably about the the psychology of the satiety 
Yeah. Is that how you say it? From from what you're eating. Like if you if you can if the food's attractive and so you're eating more fresh food, then you are going to have more nutrients. Mm, mm. That's that's the end goal, yeah. really, isn't it? So yeah, that's right. it's no use saying, well, this crappy food has just as much nutrients if the people at the, yeah. at the other end aren't willing to eat that crappy food. So that's the nutrition side of it, and then you've got the the wider eco considerations around, you know, whether there's chemicals going in the ground that are always going to. Yeah. Well, everything um, has a flow-on effect. Cause that that's right. Yeah. Washes out, and that affects your fish, and that affects your biodiversity. Yeah. I remember talking to a mate of mine's a, um, a water management expert, and I remember talking about like all the water that goes. This was in the when Brisbane was in the drought. Mm. Talking about all the water that goes in the stormwater drains, and oh, I'm yeah. like, you know, what a waste of water. And he's like, well, no, because if that water doesn't get flushed through the system and out into Moreton Bay, you won't have a fishing industry. You need a certain amount of, and mm. I, he did know the figures, yeah. like X amount of litres has to get into, fresh water has right. to get into Moreton Bay or Moreton Bay just doesn't work as an ecosystem. Yeah. We can't collect it, all the water along the way. No, you can't yeah. You can't just keep it. It's not, it's not a closed system. You can't just sort of go, well, we need all that fresh water now. We're going to take it away. Well, that's the whole Murray yes. <laughs> that's issue, right. isn't it? That, in um, a much yeah. bigger scale. Yeah. And that sort of, you know, made me think a bit. And the, um, the ecosystem so that things just aren't working. And you can't reverse them. No. Really. So you've got more management on top of more management all the time. Well, the, the one that always made me laugh was they um, went and pulled all the dead trees out of the Murray-Darling back in the 60s because they thought that it was... There was some... This, that like... The government did it. There was some reason they thought that it was causing problems. I think they thought it was causing the river to slow down. Right. And so that the the mouth, you know, it was slowing the flow. Mm -hmm. But then they realised that that was the habitat for all the native um, fish and stuff that lived in that ecosystem. And they were probably doing some sort of filtering. Yeah, there was like a whole heap of... that upset the balance. So 20 years later, they were basically going and cutting up dead trees and... Putting them back. Throwing them in the... In the and they're probably the wrong trees. Oh, I think they. I think they sort of. Yeah, they took a little bit more considered approach, but it's sort of like, like that. Oops. You, Oops. you know, it's like the cane toad. It's a well-meaning yeah. idea and in mm. theory and isolation, mm. but you don't sort of always yeah. know what's going to happen. So, you say about the cane toad because that just I just see prickly pear in front of me. Oh right? yeah, same same story, but and. Well, when, you know, when, like we don't, we just know that they were a pest and da da da. But then you travel, yeah, and there's prickly pear for sale. Oh yeah, you know to eat. Yeah, you know, oh, I've eaten prickly pear. Yeah. Is it just you just kind of um, braise it or something? I can't remember. I remember it was a pain in the ass to do, and we never did it again. Yeah, because there's some stuff that's just interesting to do as yeah. opposed to yeah, yeah, stuff you. But when I did my permaculture design course, they talked about invasive species into Australia and um, garden centres were the number one, um, like, introdu- in, number one thing that introduced 
yeah. invasive species into yeah. Australia. Yeah. And number two is the CSIRO. Yeah, that'd be right. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we'll bring this in and we'll do this. And it's like, oh, yeah. no, it, it wasn't. Won't. It wasn't the seed that the guy found in your pocket that you were bringing in through yeah. the health store. So you go, no, no, I haven't got anything. Yeah. That wasn't actually a big risk, you know, no. compared to the CSIRO. No, no, because they're like, you know, someone has a very narrow focus trying to solve a very narrow problem yeah has a much yeah. broader context that's right. so oh, but it's interesting i mean i think we're really lucky what we can get access to in where we live yeah you know, you know? and like you know you've done your permaculture design course but you know my my husband is just one of those guys that watched his father you know garden for years and years when he was a kid and um and I'll say, oh, is that the right time of the year to plant that? And he goes, it's Brisbane. Come on. It's probably going to grow. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not very scientific because he is yeah, a scientist. Yeah. But in the garden, he's just like, oh, well, you yeah. know, if it doesn't work, doesn't well, work. We don't we'll really, put something else in. don't really have seasons in Brisbane. No. It's sort of not. just... Well, I think we do. I think, I think we do. It's just whether we would call them the, you know, the four seasons. But I think we have winter that goes from, like, July and August. Yeah pretty much and then you have the windy weeks yeah but that's true you can't really call a whole season windy week no (laughs) um i'm a terrible gardener i just really suck at it it's why because are you impatient uh, yeah probably just don't pay enough attention plant something and then forget to water it for three days yeah so you haven't got like a journal no everything which is why i'm a terrible cheesemaker as well like you're supposed to take notes while you're doing it yeah. That's why something like soap will be good for me because you can do it once, you see the immediate, well, you've got to wait a couple of weeks, but you get a fairly immediate feedback loop. Right. And then enough that you can remember what you did wrong or where you, yeah. things that you learn. Whereas cheese is, especially hard cheese, is such a long sort of process. And if you forget about it for a couple of weeks because you're busy, then you you're wasting all your time and you, you it's not like the variable you come back and you go oh, it was that one variable because the milk's different yeah, you, know, oh, yeah. you know i was re- the temperature of the day is different so yeah, you can yeah. never really quite isolate the thing that maybe you didn't do right or change enough things to really know you've got a i think it's one of those innate things where you start to yeah you get, get a, you get a feel there's a science than, and an art to it i yeah. think and you get a feel a little bit like brewing where mm. there's a whole heap of chemistry behind brewing and theoretically, uh, a, a brewer should be able to, knowing the ingredients, should be able to exactly copy a beer. But some sometimes it's not that easy. But don't you get into the thing with the difference in water and different grains yeah. from different places? That's right. So, you know, we're back on the whiskey, aren't we? Because that's yeah. all about where... See, I would, I would love to make whiskey, but that's, that's insane. Like, I'm flat out remembering what I did last week, let alone what I did 10 years well, ago. what about, though... Um, you know, simpler things like I suppose pickling and fermenting, um, sourdough—they're all things I've got, that I've got a sourdough you know, starter. You know, and trial and error, and what I've what made happens. four loaves and they haven't been any good. But right. I think that too is sourdough is a little bit like baking, uh, a little bit like cakes, and that where you've got to be quite exact with your measurements and stuff. Oh, I'm not very good at cooking. I don't like know that. about that. I don't know about exactness, but I do think that that. Um, I haven't I done I haven't done enough of it. I think there's a look and a feel to it, and I haven't mm. done enough of it that um, I've got that innate 
look and feel for it. Like when I was making heaps of feta cheese, because that's the cheese I made all the time. Yeah. Like you start and you measure everything out and you do it sort of to the book, and then by the end I could whip out a batch of feta, um, you know, without referring to anything, just by look of feel. Confident. Yeah. That's looking pretty yeah. right. Yeah. But the the really interesting thing when I was watching cheese slices, and they I watched a lot of the European ones, and then watched. Um, the American ones is by necessity the Europeans are locked into a methodology because the, it, if they're making camembert it has to be camembert mm. and so if something goes wrong they dump it that's it it's gone but um, there was an American cheesemaker and they'd um, made a they were making a batch of soft grind cheese and the vat that they were using to heat the milk up to 80 degrees malfunctioned and heated it to like 88 degrees and held it at 88 degrees for um, an hour instead of 80 degrees for an hour which normally would completely ruin a cheese like the the, the temperature variance might have been more than that I can't remember and they were like well let's just keep making it and see what happens and that's now that's Mon- I think it's Monterey Jack it's one of the most famous cheeses in North America right completely by accident because they had a piece of equipment malfunction yeah and in europe they'd have to go well it's not going to turn out to be camembert into the skip it goes and europe's as you say they're they're saying well that's the traditional thing they're kind of locked into that's what, some well, of the traditions but, rather than yeah they can't they can't produce that cheese because what are they gonna do like no one's interested in a new cheese over in in europe they want they I think you know the other side of that i suppose things last and become tradition tradition because they're great you know there's something great about them but you know the thing that i really love is the is is that you can be making stuff like parmesan and actually use it for security for your financing from the bank (laughs) (laughs) this crosses over my you know account brain and my foodie brain i think wow yeah i just want to have a locker room full of parmesan, parmesan and as bank, collateral. Could I just borrow another, um, you know, couple of grand? I've stuck a few more um, oh, wedges of cheese in. Parmesan there. is one that I would really like to make. Because mm. it's a huge amount of parmesan. Way more than tasty now. Just Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. All, mm. like, all cheddar, I guess. You'd, yeah. You know, your basic cheddar. Mm. It's great stuff, parmesan. It really is. Yeah. So, um, so useful. Just, so useful. Just, I love risotto. Mm-hmm. Just use a lot of it in risotto. We're just going to a little dreamy state here. Um, people, guests at my house get a little bit scared when they watch me make risotto. You're putting how much butter in? <laughs> and then that much cheese? It's like, well, it tastes good. There's Isn't nothing that, the that whole butter, idea? butter can't fix uh, at all. Actually, I saw that on a, um, on a print today, a graphic print, because I was buying some gifts and, uh, and it was nothing beats butter yeah. and the graphic was like scissors paper rock butter, <laughs> butter. that's a good one i like to get that one i like that a lot i'll have to go and tell sean i've i've changed my um i've changed my mashed potato style now oh, after watching him do mashed look, potato i don't know like truly i was listening to that thinking yeah this is confusing there's so many ways to go i mean yeah. other than the deb sorry kira but never oh, ever going oh, deb the deb way although i did get I, what she was saying about I, I don't know whether i um you know whether it's a, a true result if you think if someone that likes deb is is one of the judges uh well you know 
it's it's a broad church. It's it a broad is. Church. It is. You've got to kind of you know have diversity there. <laughs> Absolutely. My husband's one of those guys who like he just wants the mashed potato. He wants it quick. Yeah. Appealing is definitely not going to be happening. I do like it if he gives it a scrub though. That's pretty good. But often and. And I don't know, to me, it should be smooth. He's like, I don't mind if it's lumpy, um, you know, the, it's like meal on the table quickly. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely. But, yeah, I'll, mashed potato for something for me is sort of a semi-religious experience. I got that, I got that, yeah. <laughs> so the biggest sin in it is wateriness. Yes. I think, that, I think there's well, a lot of other flavour profiles and smoothness and whatever. I've that, never, never, ever made a watery you know, Watery well, mashed potato. And if you did, you wouldn't be t- saying, and you wouldn't no. thrown it away. Well, it may have, you know, back in the day. Drained it and turned it into some sort of, I don't know, salmon rissole the next day? No. no. If you get too much water and it sort of falls apart, it's good to roast. Because mm. then it sort so of did cr- get crunchy So did anyone do the thing where you boil the potatoes with their skin on? No. And then, because I'm pretty sure... More egg was going to do the, like... Uh, not roast them. Um, what would you call it? Baked potato, and then take the skin off and use the flesh of the baked potato because yeah. it's nice and dry. Yeah, but, but you can. But, you, but you still get that dryness if you even just steam or boil them in the skin. Skin, and then take it off. But then you're dealing with the literal hot potato. Then yeah. But I did see uh, Hugh firmly Weddingstock do that on a River Cottage episode yonks ago. Yeah. Handling the hot potato, peeling it off, and it was definitely. You know, got some merit. I've do you think that it's that. like I'm? I'm all for um, you know uh, re- reward versus effort. Mm. Do, do you know mm. what I mean? So mm. like, I'm, I'm quite happy to do something quite complicated as long as I get the reward back. Yeah. Well, I would recommend that method. Actually, you should okay. look that one up because oh. it's not that big a deal. No, so yeah. I don't mind passing. You've probably the, got asbestos fingers, you know. Yeah, so not too bad. Whatever. I don't mind passing the the. Um, potato through the sieve mm-hmm. no just through just push it through the sieve yeah. i think that's worth the extra through the yeah. extra effort well that's really getting granular isn't it then Heck, it makes it a bit fluffy and then when you sort of fold the butter through it does give it a a, a heavier richer texture I've got to say, mashed potato is not in high rotation in my life anymore, <laughs> if it ever was. I was probably not the person who said, let's have mashed potato, but, you know, our pal probably did. But the, my little method, and I think this is a good, easy one for someone with the number of, you know, open mouths around the table in yeah. your place that are getting hungry, is um, the, the super salted water oh, and okay. you boil it dry. Wow, never yeah. done that one before. And uh, it's better if you do it like in a wide pan, so you've just got one layer yeah, yeah. rather than potatoes piled up in a small pot. And um, you really lots and lots of salt. Salt, and then just boil and it dry. And then you boil it dry, and you get basically a dry skinned, a salty dried skinned potato um, with a really nice, soft, fluffy inside. Ah. Really good for like. Like, like whole you know, potatoes? You should do it, you know, when you're doing your. Um, your beer podcast or, yeah. or your brewing podcast. Do that, or your sport one. You yeah. know, it's like one of those things you can just bring out because it's basically a done dish. Yeah, thing. right. Just, it's a nice uh, way to... Munchies had, had um, one which was looked amazing and I've only tried it once so I don't know whether I've done it right. And it was a salted roasted potato in salt and you dipped the whole potato in egg, mm. beaten egg whites. 
and then into a salt and pepper mix and then um, bake them. But okay, that might get like, a similar I, effect, but I like the salt, mm. but it was too much for me. And I like salt. I salt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you would like doing it this way. It's yeah. quite obviously a completely different food experience to mashed potato. Yeah, no, you that's know, a, it's not that's, competing with it. I've never, never, never heard of that one before. Mm. So any yeah. any way that I can eat and eat potato another way. And I must admit, I did last time I did that. I did do it buying some um, fresh potatoes from yeah. the Fassburn Valley. You know, yeah, really good ones. Do you think that makes a difference? Yeah. Well, one of the, the uh, my mate he lives with us, he's played sort of high-level touch football for years and years, mm-hmm. and so he's been on a lot of tours and trips. You know, they stay in cheaper accommodation. You go down to the local club at Coffs or yep. Sydney or whatever, and you have the, the... So he's eaten a lot of schnitzel and yeah. a lot of palmy. palmy. <laughs> and so um, my, my one to make him is like the... It's like super, super, super palmy, I call it. Oh. So, like, you know. A real um, made at home. Yeah. So, like, hand cut chips, and I sort of I parboil them off, and then um, I've been roasting them actually lately mm. a little bit more. Get them real, sort of just just so, so soft that if you, you know, if you're not really careful, they'll fall apart, and then get the nice hot oil and crisp on both sides, mm. and then. You know, nice homemade breadcrumbs with a bit of parmesan and salt and pepper through it. Yeah. And then um, buffalo mozzarella over the top. Yeah. Good tomato hot. sauce. Mm. <laughs> and it's always like, here you go, mate. Because he loves a palmy, but it's like, you know, this palmy. Have you palmy. heard about my, my favourite buffalo mozzarella no. guy down at Mansfield? No. Alessandro? Is it, mm. is it super expensive? It's $50 a bucket. Whole, how big a bucket? Um. Like two litre, four litre? So what's the buckets that are that big, the food service buckets? Yeah, like that. that's a four litre bucket. Yeah, and there would be like maybe a dozen. Wow. Um, and hand-stretched. How long does that last for? Well, what I found, um, which I told him the other day and he was a bit surprised, what I found is it actually freezes okay. Oh, okay. Because, you know, it's usually you want to eat it. Yeah, because um, it, it does. Pretty quickly. It doesn't but, last that long. Yeah, but in the fridge, it's pretty good. And, I mean, there's that whole thing about whether it, it should even be in the fridge, but this is Brisbane, so it's not even yeah, a conversation. But, but, you know, yeah. it has to go in the fridge. So um, Brisbane and parts of Europe yeah. are fairly different. So I had um, some left over after the Christmas ones when we were going away, so I thought, oh, I'll give it a go and just see. Freeze them. I suppose I could have given it to someone. <laughs> that would have been nicer, but anyway. So... Um, yeah, so it worked out okay, really. Well, one of the, the big successes I have had with my sourdough mix is pizza dough. Because mm. I, again, because I'm time poor, so the night before, I just mix, make the, you know, the starter with a little bit of flour and yep. and all your water and your sourdough starter and sort of let it yep, really get going. Mm. And then in the morning, I add the flour to bring it up to a dough knead it out into its little balls and then let them sit all day and then when I come home I just roll them out nice and it yeah it makes a very very good yeah very good pizza base so what do you do mozzarella wise what's your oh um, just the standard just, one that yeah, I can get in Beanley yeah like you're lucky that I'm lucky that Woolies or IGA or anyone around there even stocks one so right um, sounds a bit sad it is but, yeah. What are you going to do? At least it's not a super expensive one. It's like $3 a bottle. So, 
<clears throat> occasionally I have to admit um, and and just you know bear the slings and arrows that come from this but once a year yeah. just after Christmas when you've got leftover ham I do like to make a ham and pineapple oh, pizza you will not get any arguments here leg ham fresh pineapple no canned pineapple oh. must be fresh yeah and I'm on not, a I'm really not even gonna... nice bready pizza dough I, I think that is just one of the nicest well, post Christmas ways to use up your ham ever the eldest insists on ham and pineapple pizza um, I don't have a bit that's what he likes so and the, the struggle at the moment is finding tinned pineapple that's not Thai or somewhere in, yeah. in Asia it's like yeah. seriously we've got freaking pineapples for miles just no. up the road and you can't even get Australian pineapple it does drive me a little bit insane it's um yeah it's not right is it but well go the, go get a fresh one, one yeah. get, you know really elevate his pizza eating experience with I've some fresh got pineapple seven pineapple plants in seven or eight oh. but I don't think they get enough water they're not thriving mm. I've had one little tiny nice really nice because they're all those uh, roughly pineapples yep. that taste you know a little yep. lot, lot sweeter because mm. um, I love fresh pineapple well what I've been making also with the pineapple is a um, pickled chili pineapple oh okay and I've got like a I think relish. it's a David Chang or a Mission Chinese recipe or what you know like it's a bit gonzo-y Asian it's yeah. like and uh, but the the um, the pickling you know it's a quick pickle really but nice in the fridge for a couple of weeks um, the pickling liquid's got kombu in it so you get that bit of a dashy Japanese kind of ah, edge okay. to the pickling. Yeah. And um, I just, I just love it. <laughs> you, you, I love it. Is it a teaspoon in straight into I the mouth just, sort of well, thing? Well, you just cut them in like wedges, like it's the, you know, the quartered yep. wedges. But um, I had it at Christmas because I made a pork and chicken terrine thing that turned out a bit more sort of tropical than than European. Yeah. So then the pineapples just too easy too and easy mango it's like mm, nice I'm, uh, I'm not a massive pickle person i have to say i don't mm. know why like that's one of the do-it-yourself things that i've never really got into because i've not don't really like even and chutney i don't like chutney either oh really no oh. okay so that's why you have to go and do your sort of more complicated cooking things because you know a lot of people would be just satisfied with making chutney and some pickles. <laughs> that's right I, and they i make soap and yeah, cheese they and wouldn't be like yeah okay <laughs> I like making jam particularly marmalade I mm. love homemade marmalade mm. and I can't wait for my lemon and how many citrus trees have I got I've got three limes two finger limes two lemons an orange and a mandarin at the moment mm. are your finger limes really um, no. going well at the moment no oh, they've been in the- oh got a good crop on them at the moment i've never had a finger lime off it um, and this is the other thing where i i would love someone like um linda you know eco botanica yeah. or someone to come and tell me what i'm doing wrong because they've been in the ground for five years the trees are healthy they and like i've been told not to over fertilize finger limes because they're native and yeah but they're not but they're rainforest yeah right? i guess so, so. that means so ours are a bit crowded in, and you know what? They no, live right it. next to the compost. Um, okay, so maybe I should dump. be remulching so, and getting them going. So a bit. I reckon maybe you do need a richer soil in there, like a yeah, yeah 
Because, oh, man, so many so things you, know you could do with single lime. The, the CMIC, like the lime caviar company. Yes, yeah, yeah. So they've got an Instagram account, yes. which I think is cruel because <laughs> there's just these uh, photographs, you know, oh, hi, look at our view across, you know, the escarpment. Oh, look at, oh, it's just beautiful. I just go, oh, stop, leave me alone. That's so well, beautiful. Well, yeah, I, I don't get that sort of jealousy because <laughs> I've got a pretty good view from my oh, place as well. Yeah. Really if, you, nice. if you like Lantana. Yeah. Well, I like Lantana. It reminds me of my grandfather's chook shed up at Tenerife. Yeah, right. Down the back of the house. It's it's, it's like, um, you know, when you buy a car and you drive along and you just see that car everywhere? Well, I just see Lantana. Fuck, there's Lantana there. Fuck, there's Lantana there. God damn it, there's Lantana there. So what's oh. the history of Lantana? That probably came in as a it's, floral um, uh, Yeah, thing. hedging hedging plant for yeah. Victoria. They use it overseas. It's a, it's a hedge Mm. widely used in colder climates because it doesn't spread yeah and it's got pretty flowers and mm. like singapore daisies and those oh that's my other <laughs> i've got that oh. as well yeah because well, we lived in townsville there's lots of singapore it's daisies. it's so like lantana you can like there are ways of eradicating it you know mm. um my farmer mates even got a spray that it only kills um so what he does is he gets the dozer in Dozes the big swathes of lantana, yeah. and then reseeds, and then the grass comes up, and the, and the lantana sort of comes back, and then he spot sprays with this stuff that only kills the lantana, doesn't kill anything and else. And then he's got some grass or whatever. Well, once the grass gets once the grass gets established, right. and you're running cattle on it, yeah. then the lantana doesn't then really like being challenged, mm. and it sort of never really comes back. And his place, he started doing that pretty much when we moved in on his place, which is our view, yeah. and. You look at the photos of when we first moved in there, and it used to be 12 foot high. You would not get through it, lantana, and now it's just all nice grass. Mm. And and obviously the big trees are doing better because they're not yeah. being sort of choked by the lantana. Yeah, it's um, kind of one of those. But Singapore daisy, you you can't really get rid of it naturally. You got to hit it with some hardcore well, we lived stuff. We kind on the side of um, Castle Hill there in Townsville, and. You could grow Singapore daisy on that rock, like <sighs> nothing else on our uh, block. It's just granite, but it just—it's so you—you pretty much you got to hit it hard, or it spreads like crazy and it mm-hmm. outcompetes grass, and nothing eats it. <laughs> goats won't eat it. Yeah, cows won't eat shame, it. So waxy, and you don't have any goats down it. Lantana land too. No, you gotta have good, good, good fences for goats. Yeah. Pigs is next, I think. Okay. And I yeah. want guinea. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I want guinea pigs. fowl again, but um, mm. just haven't had much luck finding them this year. Like not baby ones, because I've got carpet snakes, and you gotta have really good cages if you want to get them past yeah. babies. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of challenges, isn't there? Yep. <laughs> I had a carpet snake the other day, so I've got a a, a good sort of cage and um not nice fine mesh stapled wooden like a bought one and it just pushed the mesh off the door wow got in so heavy i guess if they want seven foot carpet snake yeah it's all muscle Mm. it was hungry Mm. oh i've got a shiver going down my spine just listening got got two two of the three chickens that were in there and yeah and then we've got a snake guy who lives down the bottom of the street so just gave him a call he came up. He's like, he must have been really hungry to go a chicken that big. He said, normally they won't go for something that big. Yeah. And he said, yeah. And he's had stronger cages where they've got in 
and like one of the little worlds has been loose and it's got in and stretched the the bars and got in and killed a cockatoo or something in his house wow so but they're fairly harmless yeah you sort of tolerate a few of the neighbors around us you know it's like Mm. foxes you know, I think, oh God, I'm in town. Can I just have a couple of chooks without having to feel like, you know, I've got to have Farmer Brown seeing off the foxes? Oh, you got foxes in town. Yeah, so like over on the, it's quite common around like Tarragindi and oh, right. those sort of areas, people got chooks that, because there's foxes up in Chewy Forest. Ah, yeah. yeah, they come out and have a bit of a snack. I haven't had foxes for ages. You yeah. hear them every now and again. I lost. First year, I think I lost six or seven chickens to the foxes. But, yeah. mm. So, how much is a chook? Uh, you can pay anywhere from 17, 15, 17 for a bog standard chook to 35 right. for a laying chook. So, if you get a, a good quantity of eggs, they're quite efficient way of... Yeah, you except... Know, as long I've, as you're not losing too many all the time. Well, I've got a, a little chook pen and a big chook pen, and my problem is at the moment is I've got a goanna haunting my big chook pen, and he's taking all the eggs. doesn't kill chickens, but I'm not getting any eggs. And I know they're laying. I'm just not getting any. Ah, someone's so, beating you to it. Well, the guinea, yeah, yeah. The, the, I'm yeah. not there enough to, to scare the goanna away. So, like, there's a couple of things I can do. A guinea yeah. fowl's the best because they'll... If anything comes into their space, they just go nuts. And goannas oh, okay. don't like sound, so... Right, okay, so that acts as a bit of a mm. natural thing. Yeah. So we're always put off by, you know, all of those kind of issues. Putting Alan just goes, I'll just have my bees, my fish. <laughs> and I can go on holidays without worrying about the pets. Yeah. You know, and the animals. Again, money helps. You know, if I had money, I'd get a proper welded cage up that... Mm. And then you could just not worry about it. Yeah. Everything in my place is sort of built out of scrap and mm. and mm. is constantly evolving yeah which is you know it's just the way i do things yeah that's fair enough yeah. all right trees you got anything you want to plug no i don't want to plug anything really i'm just um looking forward to uh eating in china next week oh healthy yeah. luck yeah so any particular province my adventures um well i'm going to guangzhou because yeah. you know my son just got married there so i'm going oh, to meet nice. my new daughter-in-law and um, and she sounds like she's a bit of a foodie, so Ooh. I think uh, that'll be great. And so you're basically going to walk off the plane with your chopsticks in hand? Yeah, I think so. And Nick, uh, Nick said, uh, get prepared for the spicy stuff. Oh, yeah, nice. And so we're going to Yunnan and um, probably to the Terracotta Warriors as well. Oh, okay, so that's we pretty cool. So should get a good, little bit of coverage of interesting food and experiences there. Um, so, yeah, I love Szechuan cooking. Mm, yeah, well, that's what the, they seem to eat a lot of that where they are. Yeah, because Guangzhou's got everything anyway. But um, yeah, so it'll be mm. interesting. Oh, well, you have to come back in a couple of mm. couple of weeks and tell us all about My Chinese favorite dumpling. Chinese, yeah, dumplings <laughs> are cool. All right, thanks, Therese. Thanks, Bezo. See ya.